You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to go round the league with Mike Garofolo from NFL Network and break down the top headlines with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, my co-host on NFL First and Goal. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today as CBS broadcaster Steve Berline joins us. Steve, thanks for taking the time to join us again as you watch Deshaun Watson win last night in his starting debut. What stood out to you? Well, you know, I think a lot of things stood out. You know, number one, he's a, he's a very gifted uh, football player that, uh, you know, seems to relish uh, the, the, the big moment and uh, doesn't, doesn't back down, doesn't wilt under the pressure. So, so I think he's a guy that can definitely handle it from um, an expectation standpoint and from a pressure standpoint. Um, uh, secondly, I think he looked very comfortable on, on uh, many different occasions after the, you know, the first uh, few series of the game where he stood in there and made some nice throws. Um, and, and I think he, he is a guy that, that definitely can uh, establish himself and improve and get better and, and become uh, a good passing QB at this level. Uh, he's got that potential, I think. And, and then finally, uh, he's also a guy that can, can break a game open with his athletic ability. You know, that, that run was uh, reminded me of a guy by the name of Cordell Stewart, uh, the way that he, uh, you know, just kind of made people look silly trying to dive at his feet and tried to, um, you know, get a piece of him. And, and obviously he's big enough to run through some tackles and, and find a way to the end zone. So I think he's a very gifted athlete that's got a lot of potential and uh, a really good first night out for him. Steve, that was a alter ego and a person that I knew long, long, long time ago that did that kind of stuff. Long, long time ago, bro. Good to hear from you and glad yeah. you came on with us. Uh, let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos, uh, one of the latter game, later games on Sunday. Give me your take on this offense being able to Dallas Cowboys, being able to do what they do within the trenches, starting with the offensive line, obviously Ezekiel Elliott. Do you see this Denver Bronco front being able to handle that type of downhill running when it comes down to how physical that offense is? Well, this is going to be a great matchup of, of strength versus strength. You know, you've got one of the, the very best defenses in the NFL over the last few years uh, going against one of the most balanced physical offenses in football um, that, that really is based on what, what you said, Cordell, the up front, those, those big boys up front. It's been a concerted effort by the Cowboys over the past, you know, five to seven years to really uh, shore up that offensive line. I don't know how many first-round draft choices they got up there, but it's at least uh, three or four of them. And uh, they've come together very, very nicely. They're all, you know, either in their prime or in the early, early stages of their career. Uh, they're going to be there for a long time, and it's a great environment for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott to develop and learn uh, how to be professional football players uh, behind that kind of a unit. And and you got the skilled guys on the outside, too, in, in uh, Des Bryant and uh, Jason Witten at tight end, and then, you know, other side, Terrence Williams. So you've got a lot of weapons on that offense. It's going to really test the Denver Broncos in a lot of ways. But Von Miller and company, um, they, they don't back down from anybody, and I don't recall anybody really shredding them uh, uh, over the last few years at all. So 
it's going to be a battle. You're talking about two teams that that really feel good about uh, that side of the ball. I think uh, those that's the strength of the Cowboys and the strength of the Broncos, and uh, we're going to see who wins, who matches up better. And, and it, I think for uh, for the viewer, it's going to be a nice little uh, evening because you're 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 not going to see the Cowboys make it look as easy as they have against uh, some of the other teams, even the Giants last week. You know, Dak Prescott never seemed to get under any pressure. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott never really they never really stepped up and shut him down in the run game. Uh, the Denver Broncos, I think, are going to make it a little bit more difficult. And you're going to see Dak Prescott have to make plays to win this ball game for the Cowboys this week. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Steve Berline of CBS Sports. Steve, L.A. Chargers play their first regular season game in their new home, hosting the Dolphins on CBS. As you know, Jay Cutler put up big numbers playing for Adam Gase two years ago in Chicago. What's Cutler's outlook this season in Miami? You know, I think it's a great situation for Jay uh, for for a lot of different reasons. You guys know, uh, you know, Cordell, especially you know, with the, as a quarterback, um, th- that is it's a it's a situation where. The team really needs to believe in you as as a guy that can get the job done, and I think with Jay Cutler, his history, um, you know, if it, if it would have been a normal situation, um, he he would have been, I think, you know, a guy that maybe would have been looked at with a little bit of skepticism, a guy coming in and say, okay, oh, here's this guy that we've heard all these negative things about, um, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to really be the guy that can come in and take over this football team. The way that they had to have him come in, he's looked at as kind of the savior right now. You know, this is a team that really had, I think, legitimate uh, high expectations to maybe challenge in that AFC East coming off of last year uh, with a good young quarterback under under Adam Gase, had a great year last year, um, and all of a sudden they lose him. I think Jay Cutler come in. He's the guy that they're really counting on and looking to to step up and, and lead them, uh, at least at least give them a chance to make a run into the playoffs. And, and he knows the system with Adam Gase. I, I think his Dolphins teammates, it works for him that they don't know him that well. And and maybe they can rally around him. Maybe he can be the guy that can step up and, and make things happen. But we know he can throw the football. He's always been able to throw the football. The question is whether he can, uh, can lead this football team uh, with the passion that it takes to to drive a team deep into the playoffs and uh, make them believe in him, and that's we're going to find out. You know, this week against the Chargers will be a, a good first test. I think not to not to say that anything positive came out of the Hurricanes uh, over the past few weeks, but for Jay Cutler personally, I think having that extra week to prepare for his first game uh, will benefit him, and I expect him to come out and play well this weekend. Steve, speaking of believing in someone, uh, Jared Goff, uh, he was struggled last year, of course, uh, with the Rams before Sean McVay came around, but then now he's here. Uh, the kid goes out and go 21 of 29, throwing a TD. Uh, he looked really, really good. He looked like he belongs in the National Football League. When watching him play and the things that he, he did from a fundamental standpoint, how much you're buying into Jared Goff, and how do you think he's actually going to play against his Washington Redskins team uh, there in the Coliseum? Well, I think if you would have asked Sean McVay, Cordell, if if, uh, uh, if he could I'd draw up the ideal first game for Jared Goff in his new system, it would be to play the Indianapolis Colts at home. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he got he got that on week one. It was the perfect. 
matchup for Jared Goff to build up a little bit of confidence, and and it was a good first step for him. You know, I'm I'm still very skeptical. Uh, there's a lot of things that I need to see out of Jared Goff uh, before I uh, jump on the bandwagon and say, okay, this kid's going to uh, arrive and he's going to be everything that the Rams hoped he would be and need him to be. Uh, really good first step. We'll see if he can back it up. He looked very comfortable in, in the new offense. Um, and, and it shows that, that Sean McVay knows what he's doing as an offensive football coach. That's his pedigree. Uh, everybody was watching to see if you could see any improvement in, in Cobb this year, and, and, uh, and, and we saw it. And so I, I think that's good. Uh, let's just see how they build on it week to week. Uh, they're going to have a little bit more of a test this week, no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it really should be looked at as a very positive situation. Uh, for Jared Goff to, to come out and, and, and say this is a, a new Jared Goff and, and, and I'm a guy that can play at this level. Steve, let's wrap it up. Another game on CBS, Raiders hosting the Jets, and we know the Jets have a real possibility maybe of matching what the Lions did in 2008. Could be an 0-16 run in New York. From the standpoint of the silver and black, I think the Raiders belong in the silver uh, and black Super Bowl conversation. Their defense, though, shaky year ago, even with Khalil Mack. Steve, how much defensive improvement did you see in the win on the road in Tennessee? You know, they're a team that that uh, I think last year was underrated defensively. Uh, they got off to a horrific start uh, their first three or four games. I remember we had them. Uh, week four, week five, and, and their their numbers were terrible. Uh, but it was all based on those first three weeks, I believe, of the season. Uh, they slowly got themselves back to respectability. And by the end of the year last year, they were playing decent defense. They were not bad on that side of the ball. They made some improvements. Uh, they, they, they did bring in some, some players through the draft, through free agency that I think will – help them and, and, and bring, bring them more confidence on the defensive side of the football, I have absolutely no doubt that if Derek Carr stays healthy, this is a team that can play with anybody in the NFL. They believe it. They're young enough and cocky enough. Plus, they can back it up with the skill set to get it done. There's not an area on their offense where they're weak. Bringing in Marshawn Lynch was, uh, looks to be a, a brilliant move at this point. We'll see if he can hold up for 16 games, but uh, that is a team that, that I think will be contending uh, for the uh, AFC crown and, and legitimate Super Bowl contender. And, and I would, anything less, I'd be very disappointed out of the Raiders this year. Steve, great information as always. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. You got it, guys. Take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune in puts you on the sidelines for the 2017 college football season free all year long. With college football on TuneIn, hear the home and away calls from more than 100 schools live, regular season matchups and rivalry games, conference championships and bowl games, the college football playoff in January. You can listen to it all for free. At home, on campus, or in rival territory, hear the excitement and pageantry of college football all season long, free on TuneIn. Let TuneIn bring you home. With TuneIn's local radio browse feature, listen to live FM and AM radio stations from your home area as if you've never left town. Spend the day listening to your favorite stations and hosts, local news and talk shows, and familiar voices that you've grown to love. Or maybe you're missing that morning drive show that gets you to the office, your go-to hip-hop station with special guest DJs, or maybe sports talk about your favorite team. Then catch your hometown favorites with local radio on TuneIn. 
With tuning, you can go home again. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's spotlight the top headlines across the league with Mike Garofolo of NFL Network. Mike, we appreciate you taking the time. I saw you reporting on the Eagles this week on NFL Network as they get set to take on the Chiefs. What do you make of reports that defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz is undermining head coach Doug Peterson? Uh, I, I don't know about uh, undermining him. I mean, I, I just know publicly that when it comes to Jim Schwartz in the media, he's been very careful uh, with how he's presented himself publicly to the media because he doesn't want to be seen as that guy. So I find it, uh, I guess, a, little, a touch ironic that uh, at least publicly the way he's been, now you're getting reports of it uh, being privately the other way around. There, there is no doubt about it, and, and I'm sure – not sure. I mean, I'm sure because I know that there are folks in that building uh, that don't agree with Schwartz's management style. Uh, but as far as that being uh, something that undermines Doug Peterson, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not willing to go there. And and I do believe. I do know that uh, that the team, the defensive players, uh, certainly think a lot of Schwartz and his scheming. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to disrupt the play on the field. I I would watch to see how the dynamic plays out there uh, going forward. And and I believe that Peterson's got to have a big year. And and quarterback Carson Wentz can, has to continue to trend up. Upward, uh, because that is a results-oriented organization there with Jeffrey Lurie. But uh, uh, I, I don't think it's anything that's going to throw off this team, be some kind of uh, a revolt behind the scenes or anything like that, at least not right now. Yeah, that would be an unfortunate situation to have that type of energy running throughout a locker room because uh, mm-hmm. teams can feel it, and you know how that goes sometimes. It can trickle to the field. But let's stay within the division, and let's talk about Odell Beckham. Uh, he's... He's had an injury that we all thought was just as minor as just an ankle sprain, uh, but it ended yeah. up being something totally different. But here's what he said, Mike, and listen to what he has to say about the time in which he feel he may come back or even what he's actually dealing with. I don't really know how realistic it was. As bad as I wanted to play, it just wasn't there. It had been, you know, three weeks after the injury. It hasn't even been a month since it happened. And, um, you know, this is a six- to eight-week thing. Unfortunately, you know, as much as I was trying my hardest to get out there, it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough time. Yeah, and so when hearing that, to me, it, it, it makes me wonder, is it more about his ankle or is he really protecting himself so he can get that new contract? Give me your take on that, Mike. Well, that's look. Only Odell Beckham knows that that part for sure. Uh, so I'm not going to guess on that. I, I will say this: the six to eight week timeline that he talked about is for a full recovery from the injury, uh, and I expect him to be back on the field before he's fully recovered. And that's why I gave him a shot to play week one. I thought uh, if he really rehabs it well enough, even if he can get out there as a decoy or somebody who's got to be accounted for, uh, I thought he had a reasonable shot to be out there against Dallas. I, I didn't until last week correct that, steer that back uh, toward uh, what wound up happening because I started to hear from the people in that building that, you know, he doesn't have a great shot to play on Sunday. So uh, it's don't look at it and say, okay, well, he's four weeks in, so six to eight means that there's two to four weeks left. That's not going to be the case. That's for him to get fully recovered. Now, the, the other side of that is – 
sort of what you said, but also people saying, well, well why would he get back out there if he's not 100% and risk aggravating it? Uh, the, the truth is that you can play with this and you can, you can improve while you're playing with a high ankle sprain. So that's what the hope would be if he continues to practice well, go out there against the Lions and just get better week after week and get more comfortable until he's close, if not all the way to 100%. He's Cornell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber taking you around the league with Mike Garofolo from NFL Network. Mike, Texans offensive tackle Dwayne Brown missed his second game last night with the holdout. Any news on the contract front? They're, all indications are they have no intention of redoing this contract. And, and, and when you look back at some of the deals that they have done with a couple of years left on the deal, Dwayne Brown's looking at it and saying, well, hey, why can't I get that? Now, there's a difference between, let's say, J.J. Watt, who's early in his career, he's on his rookie deal, and he wants to do an extension, and the team knows he's going to be playing with this team if he's healthy for uh, over a decade. Whereas you've got Dwayne Brown on the back end of his career, and the team's saying, okay, well, we've negotiated contracts with him before. Uh, now's our time to cash in on the uh, part of the deal where it was front-loaded and now not so much in the back end. Now it's our turn to reap the benefits because we've got the leverage. This guy's at the tail end of his career. Uh, So they have no intention of doing that. And and there were not – I don't want to get – too crazy with this because there weren't trade talks, but there were teams that checked in and said, are you willing to trade him? And they were not looking to move him for some bargain basement uh, trade rate. They would look for high compensation and teams were like, you know what, we're not, this guy is not 24, he's, he's 34, uh, so, so we're going to pass on that. So the, the, the Texans have held firm both in their talks with Dwayne Brown and also with other teams, uh, and they believe that he's going to be playing for them and playing for them only at the current contract. We'll see if that changes going forward. Maybe they add some incentives or something, but right now intending to hold firm to that contract. Well, they better hurry up and add some incentives because this brother's losing a lot of money week to week <laughs> that he's not in the mix. But even yeah. even more, uh, we can even talk about the, the lack of protection for Tom Savage in week one and even the lack of protection last night for, yeah. for uh, Deshaun Watson. Luckily, Deshaun can actually make plays with his feet uh, because if not, it would pretty much be deja vu this past weekend, uh, yesterday, when watching them play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Right, and you don't want that. I mean, as much as the guy can make plays with his legs, you don't want him to have to do that and to feel like he's got to do that and all of a sudden maybe develop bad mental habits. I, I like the kid. I think uh, his his track record in college spoke for itself, and uh, I, I think that some teams should have taken a shot on him before the Texans uh, made the move to get him. Uh, but but you're you're absolutely right with regard to him having to create and worry about the pressure uh, that's being created on him. You'd prefer him to be comfortable back there, go through his progressions, progressions, and learn how to play quarterback in the NFL without having to act like his pants are on fire back there. Mike Garofolo, NFL Network, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Aaron Donald came back to the Rams last weekend without the new contract he was looking for. Any momentum in terms of Donald getting paid during this season? Not, uh, during the season, potentially. Not right now. Uh, and, and I'm surprised, to be honest with you. When, when he didn't show up for training camp, and then we got toward the season, I said, you know what, he's going to hold out as long as possible. And I believe it's week 10 that you could hold out to without losing an accrued season toward free agency. So I thought for sure when we didn't see him uh, for the start of week one that we weren't going to see him until uh, November. And I was wrong about that. And uh, maybe him showing up eventually leads to a contract extension. We are not there right now. And he's looking for big money. And, and I understand 
why he's looking for big money. And, and, and look, the Rams have offered him big money, but, but how big is big? I mean, he's, he's looking for something that will eclipse Adamic and Sue and set all kinds of records for guarantees and all these kinds of things. He may have to wait now until after the season if he really wants to ratchet up the pressure because the longer this goes, the more leverage the player gets. Uh, so we'll see if it winds up being after the season. But I'd give him a shot to get something done during the season. Mike, I know we watched the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, this past weekend, and they look pretty darn good, almost like the Jacksonville of old. Are you buying that Tom Coughlin's personality, his approach to the game of football, is really resonating through this team based on what you saw from this defensive front uh, by Calais Campbell and how he applied tons of pressure getting three-and-a-half sacks in the first half to even this offense with, with Leonard Fournette and also Chris Ivory being able to produce how they did, how they did when it came down to running the football. I am, and I, but I don't want to just give it to Coughlin. I mean, I want to give it to Doug Marone. I think he deserves the credit for um, – he, he buys into the Coughlin philosophy, and uh, th- those two are on the same page. And if they weren't, you'd have a major problem there. Uh, but, but those two are in lockstep, and, and the philosophy that they want to establish and that running game that they want to establish. And you saw the play calling down deep in the red zone there, the way that they were uh, trying, to, trying to pound that thing in and not force – Blake Bortles to make decisions and to make stupid decisions because if you take that away from him, now you're confident in your in your scheme, uh, what you're running offensively. And uh, sorry, this is the street cleaner that decided he wants to drive right past me here. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Live radio ain't nothing like it, Mike. Yeah, I don't know. He's on the he's on the sidewalk. I don't know why he's not in the street cleaning the street, but. Anyway, I, I, I think it started in the spring. I, I reported from down there for NFL Network about how tough the OTAs were, how hard-nosed training camp was going to be, uh, how much the players were being worked. That's that old-school philosophy. As much as you can get it in this new-school NFL and this current collective bargaining agreement, I think you saw it in week one. And they've got a shot to be competitive in a division that's not overly competitive. Mike, great information as always. We appreciate the insights. Thank you for calling us from an urban jungle on the NFL on Tune. There you go. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> you got it. All right, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Between game-winning drives and walk-off home runs, follow TuneIn Sports on social media and get the latest scoop on our great sports shows. From MLB at the plate to NFL No Huddle, be the first to know about upcoming interviews with some of the biggest stars in sports. Or check out behind-the-scenes coverage that you can't get anywhere else. Like us at TuneIn Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and keep up on all the latest news and happenings from around the world of sports. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the top storylines heading into the second Sunday of the regular season with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, before we look ahead, let's go back to last night. We've talked a lot about Houston prior to you joining us, so I want your thoughts on Cincinnati 
First team since the 1939 Eagles with no touchdowns in back-to-back home games to start the season. Is it time to make the move away from Andy Dalton, A.J. McCarron? You know, uh, guys, thanks for having me. Uh, b when we did our show uh, last Sunday to kick off the first week, as we wrapped up, that was one of the things that I definitely talked about. Uh, even though that was in week one, at, at some point, you have to break that glass and go to A.J. McCarron. Last year, we saw A.J. McCarron come in and perform well when Andy Dalton went out in the Pittsburgh game with a wrist injury. So to me, it's time to make that move. We, we've seen up to this point what Andy Dalton can do. And to steal a quote from one of my former head coaches, Bill Parcells, he is who he is at this particular point. He's not going to change. So you might as well try to win some games. And I know in Cincinnati the whole big thing is, you know, Marvin Lewis has the longest tenure. Uh, he's taken his team to the playoffs. Uh, he's, he's made them somewhat relevant, but he's made them relevant at being irrelevant. So to save his job, because his job is on the line, and I know it is too early in the season to say week two going in, you know, here's the coaches on the hot seat. But, you know, Marvin Lewis is on a hot seat. Why not go to A.J. McCarron? You can always go back to Andy Dalton, but it was a disappointing, you know, performance, you know, in front of your home crowd, and you want them to come out, buy your tickets, support the team, and you're not performing up to par. That's very difficult. Well, I don't think it's too early, Nick, to be honest, because to to not win a playoff game and then not go – uh, to the postseason uh, last year and then start the year off this way. I think you're right on point when it comes down to talking about maybe making some changes to create that spark. But let's go down uh, to the southern part of the country, over to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where you and Brian Weber, you didn't know for sure if you were in with the Jaguars. You don't know for sure if you're out with the Jaguars. But with watching what we saw last weekend uh, when it came down to a defense that was unbelievably good. Yannick Ngakwe being a part of the sacks along with Calais Campbell getting three and a half sacks in the first half. Uh, the kid that I I chose to say who's going to be the rookie of the year and, and, and Leonard Fournette who made a, a statement that made me you know, stretch my eyes just a little bit by saying that the, the defenses of the National Football League aren't as tough as the ones in the SEC. Well, I mean, the way he ran against the Houston Texans kind of made you feel that way. Give me a take on the Jacksonville Jaguars and what they did, and can they continue this trend uh, with the style of physical football they played? Well, to start off, I think, you know, Brian Weber and myself have been telling you about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, here you go. Here you go. For years. We were just ahead of the curve with the analysis. Y'all so scary. Y'all both are about the scariest guys I've ever met in my life. Here's what I said. I said, well, I wasn't going out – on the limb to say we're talking Super Bowl in 2017, but I did say that this team would be uh, competitive. You look at what they did on defense, and you just at you know name you know several players. And in this league, you know you come from a team in Pittsburgh where they did two things well: they ran the ball and they played good defense. It seems as though that is what you know Tom Coughlin. You know as they started to piece this team together, that is what they decided to do. Leonard Fournette, I mean. A bruising runner, and that's what they drafted him for, to be that type of linchpin for their offense and create that balance, something that they didn't have before. And we're knowing as though Blake Bortles isn't the guy. So they did a great job with the game plan, taking the game out of his hands, playing to his defense, let Fournette grind out the clock and shorten the game and let his defense go out there and eat and make plays. Now, if this defense, and I have to say this, 
the defense that you see in Jacksonville, that's similar to what they play in San Francisco, similar what they, to what they play out here in Los Angeles with the Chargers, and what they play in Seattle. So we've seen, you know, this defense before. We've seen it, it, seen it win. The difference is the personnel is a little different. But going out there against a Houston Texans team, you know, nine sacks, I believe, and four turnovers, that builds optimism for Jacksonville that they can go and they can beat anyone week in and week out. So, you know, they have a, a tough matchup, you know, this week. But if they continue to play like this, now maybe week eight, week nine, now we're saying, well, this team is for real and maybe they can win the South. And they may have Cordell Stewart dancing to a different tune come week eight. Well, let me, let me make you guys understand something here. I think I was the first of you three. You three. I say you, Brian Weber, and that's Weber with two Bs. That's two people, and yeah. then yourself, Nick. <laughs> Mentioning when Tom when when Tom Coughlin came into Jacksonville and I saw them grab Leonard Fournette, I jumped on saying that he's going to change the complexity of how this team is perceived from the outside looking in, which was going back to the old ways of playing. Natron mean business, Fred Taylor and how he ran the football and to see it come to fruition. Now, I didn't talk about the defense on the level in which they played uh, this past weekend because that was, I mean, as of right now today, they are the most physical team the way they played offensively and defensively in the AFC South. Now, of course, it is just week one, but you can be a prisoner of the moment for a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars for now because we haven't seen this in a very long time. So hats off to those teams. I hope you two have a tendency to learn to stick to your guns and believe in what you choose. But just remember, don't get too excited because it is just week one. Go ahead, Brian. So basically you're saying you, you, you were on board once Coughlin took Leonard Fournette, right? But be prepared because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, no, not at all. No, I was just being, from from an analytical standpoint, I was just doing my job. I was just doing coverage. You know, you go to a draft, the kid comes in as the top pick for this team very early in the draft. You have a defense that have some pieces in place that we did talk about. Jalen Ramsey, we go Malik Jackson, we can go on and on with a few players. But nothing to the magnitude in which we saw where Calais Campbell came out of nowhere, literally. Uh, What is Yannick Ngakwe? He came out of nowhere. Knew he was a good player. But to put it all together, to put it all together, it was phenomenal. But most importantly, the best thing I saw that was everything of Tom Coughlin was that running game. And guess what? Blaine Gabbert. He did not necessarily screw it up. Blake Bortles. Play, excuse Blake me, Bortles. Blake. I, I get They're him the all same confused. guy. I know. The same guy. They always – he came out – Yeah, he's oh, – same. there he is. Same guy. Brian must have told you about that. And so this guy, he came out, he gave you, what, 11 of 20, 125 yards in the TD. At the end of the day, you know what? Great win for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And kudos to you two for actually buying into the Jacksonville way a long time ago before Tom Coughlin came in. Now, my question is and my challenge to you both – because you like to spend seven hours together on Sunday nights. How much are you buying into them now moving forward to win the division and get into the postseason? Let's get brave now. Don't get scared. Okay. Let's go. And for the answer to that question, you have to join us on TuneIn Premium. Yeah. It's NFL First and Goal. We kick off 1 p.m. Eastern time. 
He's Nick Ferguson. You like that dodge? He's, I'm he's Brian really, Weber. He's really not that good, by the way. You know that, right, Nick? He's not that good. Alluding the man, yes, alluding the man they call Slash, Cordell Stewart. Fellas, we're talking way too much Jacksonville football. I want to keep this job. Nick, as a defensive player, I'm sure you like swagger and bravado, but what about the notion of bulletin board material? Did you see this quote from L.A. Charger linebacker Melvin Ingram asked about what challenges, what problems Jay Cutler could present heading into Sunday's game. Ingram said, quote, none. Well, you know what? You can call it bulletin board material, but there's a little truth to uh, what he said in that statement. I mean, you go back and you look at, you know, Cutler over his history with the Chicago Bears, and you can even say, well, with Adam Gase, uh, you know, he was able to keep his numbers down as far as his interceptions. But, you know, we all know this. We are creatures of habits. You are who you are. And this, we're still talking about the same Jay Cutler who said that his wife had to nudge him along to take this job and come out of the booth and become the new quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. You know, in preseason, Jay Cutler looked okay, but that was a small sample size. If you look at his body of work, you know, we've seen that he is, you know, a turnover machine. and It's multiple turnovers, but for him, he happens to be surrounded by a guy named, you know, Jay Ajayi, you know, Landry, I think it's Landry Jones, um, but... Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry in Miami. Jarvis Landry, thanks for the correction. Jarvis Landry. So there's a lot of weapons around Jay Cutler to kind of take the pressure off of him, but they're going to put him in a position where he's going to beat Jay Cutler. He's going to believe too much in his arm, try to stick the ball into tight windows and tight spaces, and that plays right to the defense and what we love, tips and overthrows. And watching the game uh, against the Denver Broncos here on Monday night, you know, Melvin Ingram and Joy Bosa did a great job collapsing the pocket for Trevor Simeon. You know, Jay Cutler is a little more or slightly more athletic than Trevor Simeon, but they're coming after him. And we've seen in the past, when there's pressure on Jay Cutler, he's throwing it up. It now depends on which defender is going to come down with it. So, like I said, there's not a lot of separation in what he said, but there's some truth to it as well. Nick, give me a take on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this is another game after having a good year last year. Sam Bradford completed 71.6% of his passes, which is tops of the league when it comes to a record uh, in his performance. Uh, but give me your take on what they were able to do in this last game against the Saints defense, playing really solid, something that we've had a chance to see them do over the past, what, year and a half or so until last year after the fifth game, you, you had North Turner leave and, of course, Coach Zimmer and his eye issues having to go to the doctor to uh, looking at this offense. You have Dalvin Cook, who's running like he's a wild man. And then you've seen the receivers stealing and digs. And, and of course, Sam Bradford playing well with the offensive line, protecting him. Give me your take on uh, this Minnesota team. Is this a, a admiration, a, aberration, as what Brian says sometimes? Or is this something you're buying into with having a chance to compete to win this division? Well, I'm going to go with uh, side with B. Webb on this one. It's kind of an aberration because – Sam Bradford in the past has looked great at the beginning of the season, and as the season started to you know wear on, you know the old Sam Bradford starts to you know rise to the surface. It's great having Dalvin Cook there. You don't have to do all the work. You don't have to put you know you know thirty plus passes on Sam Bradford to be you know perfect as he was you know last year as far as completing those dink and dunk type of passes. You know Dalvin Cook is a home run player. You know just like Leonard Fournette, it's a little different because the level of speed and the way he catches the ball out of the backfield. But, you know, no, there's not much to this Vikings uh, team. We have to see, you know, 
more from them. I mean, they got, they have a great test this week against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, your Steelers, who did not perform that well against the Cleveland Browns. So they definitely have something to prove, and they're at home. So uh, Pittsburgh has always played well at home, and watching you know T.J. Uh, Watt play the way that he played last last week, you're very optimistic as far as what this team can do. I know people are talking about Le'Veon Bell did not perform well. No one expected him to. I mean, he held out a camp, and then he came in nine days uh, from before the week one's game, and he wasn't the same Le'Veon Bell we saw at the end of 2016. But he has now have another week on his belt. This team is going to be geared up, and we're really going to see what this Minnesota Vikings team really can be. If that was an aberration, or now we need to now start changing the narrative and say, well, Mike Zimmer has his team, you know, trending upwards, and everyone in that division need to be put on notice. The other word, fellas, anomaly. Apparently I'm saying aberration too much, so we'll call it an anomaly on a big word Friday. Nick, we appreciate the information. Looking forward to another big Sunday on NFL First and Goal as we say goodbye. So I take notes throughout these conversations. I like that you quoted Bill Parcells. How come you didn't go with Fab Five Freddy from Yo! MTV Raps? What was with all the hip-hop illusions throughout Nick's picks on First and Goal? Hey, you know, we try to bring something uh, new and flashy and kind of keep the millennials engaged. But this week I have something in store that I know Uh-oh. that you would definitely appreciate it. So tune in to First and Gold this Sunday to see what that's going to be. Wow, that is a tease. Can you give me a hint? What genre are you going to choose? Oh, you, hey, hey, listen. He says he's hey, not as suburban as he sounds. Yeah, so go hey. ahead. Get him with the good stuff, Nick. No, 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 no. The thing is, you if you want to know, the listeners – have to tune in. There you go. We should find out on Sunday. Upgrade the tune-in premium. Here's a preview. The freaks come out at night, Nick. Give me oh, a little Houdini, right. See, right? See that right there? That'll get both of you guys fired. <laughs> Keep on. <laughs> Keep on. Thank Keep you, on. Nick. Yeah, let's hang on to our job, and I'll see you Sunday. Right, Thank you, Nick. Sunday. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast today, it's time to record our week two predictions and let you know what we are more than sure is going to happen on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. 
Sources close to me reporting, amazingly, I went undefeated with my picks last week. Let's see if I can make it back-to-back perfection. We start divisional matchup. Cleveland on the road in Baltimore. Deshaun Kaiser, who looked good, albeit in defeat at home, losing to Pittsburgh, getting ready for his first road test. It's been a long time since I played in the Loudoway Stadium, so I'm looking forward to that. You know, we're going to do everything we can to prepare for that. You know, obviously mixing up with cadences, you know, getting a little crowd noise going in practice, hopefully doing my best to try to over-communicate during practice because we know when it comes down to, you know, playing in the Way Stadium, you're going to have to be able to get it to everyone. Cordell, I take you back to last year. Even though the Browns went 1-15, they matched up well against Baltimore. Remember the 20 to nothing lead Cleveland had against the Ravens, and then Baltimore blocked the PAT, won the game. It's going to be tight. I'll take the Ravens at home. How about you? I sure like to talk to that source, by the way, that you said had you undefeated last week. But anyway, because we know how your sources are. I'm going with Baltimore. Go ahead. I just had to get that in. Thank you. Very concise, and I appreciate the dig as well. Sean McDermott was victorious in his coaching debut for the Bills last week, beating the Jets. Now he's back in Carolina where he was the Panthers defensive coordinator before getting the job in Western New York. He's well aware of what Cam Newton could offer in this game. Well, each quarterback, you know, brings a little bit uh, of different skill set to the table. Cam uh, has some uniqueness to his skill set, and uh, he has the ability to pull the ball down and run, so we have to be mindful of that. And again, the, the arm strength, we've got to be mindful of that. He can extend plays. Um, so uh, there's just some different things that Cam brings to the table that maybe other quarterbacks don't. In all candor, Cam was not terrific coming back from the shoulder procedure, but it was good enough to beat the 49ers, and the Bills aren't much better. I'll take the Panthers at home. How about you? I'm going with the Panthers. Uh, They're talking about Cam, but what about that kid, Christian McCaffrey, who I think is a good player on this football team. Great addition, but most importantly, Jonathan Stewart, he's the workhorse in this entire ordeal. And yes, Cam is someone they have to... Pay attention to, so yes, I am going with the Carolina Panthers playing at home in Charlotte. Could be a battle of attrition as both Arizona and Indianapolis are looking for their first win of the year for the Cardinals. No David Johnson out with the wrist injury. Jacoby Brissett makes the first start of his tenure with the Colts. Someone's got to win this football game. I'll take the Cardinals on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts. I think Scott Tolzien. I think he steps up Frank Gore. I think they all step up and play a little bit better. I think they uh, at least savor some energy from their fan base and believing in them before hopefully someday at some point in time their quarterback Andrew Luck comes back. So I'm going with Indianapolis coaching now. Okay. And remember, it's Brissett getting the starts, but Tolzien could come in off the bench. Maybe it's a team approach in Indy. Our Super Bowl. Your Tennessee Titans looking for their first win of the year. On the road at Jacksonville taking on America's real team. Come on, man. Do I have to give you analysis? Jacksonville big at home. Back to you. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. I think they regrouped this week. I know it was a great game last week by the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I need to see more of it. I do believe in the kid in the backfield running back for this football team in Leonard Fournette. But I need to see more of this. I think the, the mobility of, of their quarterback, Marcus Mariota, I think the, the two-headed monster in the backfield, why well, it's going to be a slug match. I think it's going to be a slug fest. I still think the mobility of their quarterback is going to prevail in the end when it comes down to playing this game. Rematch! Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going with Titans. Okay, let's spotlight a marquee matchup on the road in Kansas City. Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, very familiar with each other. Kansas City moving on without 
Eric Berry. Going to be a good game. Going to be close, but I'll take Kansas City at home. How about you? I'm going with Kansas City. I, I like what I saw last week, but I tell you what, they're going to have a tough time without Eric Berry having to contain Carson Wentz and also being a run stopper at the strong safety position. Uh, Mr. Murray, I think it's Eric Murray that's filling in for him. Uh, can they stop that kid from running between the tackles? Because I think this is the week where they impose their will on the Kansas City Chiefs de- defense. But I think offensively with Kansas City, I like what Alex Smith did last week. I'm going with the Chiefs. Okay, we're going to pick up the tempo here to get all these games in. Patriots trying to bounce back from being embarrassed at home by the Chiefs. They'll get it done. I'll take the Patriots on the road in New Orleans. How about you? I'm going with New England. Okay. Minnesota, you believe in Sam Bradford more than I do. Another test, this time on the road in Pittsburgh. I'll take the Steelers at home. Le'Veon Bell with a breakout game. How do you see it? Going with the Steelers. Boom. Woot, there it is. We got to keep moving, baby. We got to get these games in. Playing their first game of the year, postponed last week because of the hurricane. Bears look good, hanging around, almost beat the Falcons. They will not win this game. I'll take the Buccaneers at home. How about you? Yeah, Chicago, they they looked good last week, almost won, but you don't give more victories. I'm going with Tampa at home in Tampa. Five late games to dissect. Miami playing their first game of the year due to the hurricane. First game ever in Los Angeles in a regular season context for the L.A. Superchargers. 27,000 fans. That doesn't matter. Miami wins on the road. How do you see it? I'm going with the Dolphins. I think they play inspired football considering what happened in the state of Florida. I think they get their first victory at the StubHub Stadium against the Los Angeles Chargers. Heidi game 2017 style. The Jets on the road in Northern California. I'll take the Raiders at home. How about you? Come on, dude. You don't think the Jets can do it? I don't. I'm going with the Oakland Raiders. Go ahead. Denver. Coming off their win on Monday Night Football. Hosting Dallas coming off their win on Sunday Night Football. I'll take the Cowboys on the road. How about you? I'm going with the Cowboys in this one as well. Yes. Sean McVay. Boys with the stars. The boy with the stars. Dak Prescott. And Ezekiel Elliott. Let's go. I want you to finish your thought. Sean McVay reunited with Washington. He was their offensive coordinator a year ago. He knows Kirk Cousins well. Washington lost to Philadelphia at home. They're in Southern California against the Rams. I'm going to ram it. I'll take the Rams at home. How about you? You know what, Washington, I tell you what, man, it's about time for them to get a victory. Not this week. I'm going with the Rams as well. Divisional matchup, your 49ers. Hey. Owner Jed York's a mastermind. Watch it. On the road in the Emerald City of Seattle, trying to rebound from losing on the road in Green Bay. I'll take the Seahawks big at home. How about you? I'm going with the Seahawks. Okay. I was about to try it. No. But I, 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 I saw nothing in the in, in the in the rearview mirror saying it could have a chance. I'm going with Seattle. 90 seconds left for the game of the night. Could be the game of the day as well. Green Bay, Atlanta. The glittering new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Woo. Regular season debut. That amazing architectural display that is the roof should be open. Atlanta with issues, replacing both coordinators, trying to bounce back from the greatest collapse we've seen in the history of the Super Bowl. I had Green Bay number one in my power rankings. They'll be number one again next week. They win on the road to raise their record to 2-0. How do you see it? It's time to rise up, baby. ATL's in the house. 
I know my man listening on the other end of this thing called Average Abe. Going with the ATL, baby. Atlanta gets the win against your Green Bay Packers, and it will lay all this stuff to rest. Okay. Green Bay's not that good, but let's go. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in. Your everything audio app.